And welcome, everybody, to the Between Two Wheels podcast. This is Tyler Yonke, episode 184. Welcome. Today, we're going to talk about Nairo. He restarts his season on Mont Ventoux. Greg LeMond makes a comeback. Strada Bianca. It's going to happen next week, everybody. We're pretty excited about that. Some things to make you go home. Who's on drugs now? Uh, some winners and losers. And what happens if I have to leave this live stream immediately to go to do something else? We'll talk about that. All coming up, 184 episodes in, Tyler Yonke, Between Two Wheels Podcast. Stay tuned. Well, happy Friday. We'll do another live stream. I don't know if we'll get anybody in, but um, I'm going to go right to the chat and see if we have anybody. Nope, no one's coming in yet. Well, join us if you can. We're going to try to do this on Friday afternoons. Uh, I'm going to just throw it out there at 130. I'm going to do a few little things. Um, if I just shut this show off completely, it's because I'm waiting currently for uh, an emergency order from the court. And uh, what if they want to talk to me? If they want to talk to me, then I'm going to have to just <laughs> delete this and, and go on. Um, so this might be one of those lost episodes. You know, we talked about that last week. Uh, there's a bunch of these episodes on um, Between Two Wheels podcasts that were removed and or just aren't there anymore. And with those, I've been putting them back on. So I hope you've been kind of enjoying uh, some of the, the back ones, some of those interviews, the ones that needed to be shown. Um, the coronavirus interview with the guy that had the coronavirus. Um, we're still not through all of them. We got to get Nate, Paul Mitchell. I think we, we released some of those. Anyway, uh, check those out on the Between Two Wheels podcast episode, podcast feed, and um, we will uh, have some excitement there for you. But we're going to talk about cycling. Cycling is starting to ramp up or, you know, the, the excitement for it at least is, is getting back going here. So we're going to talk about uh, cycling. And um, I don't know what you guys have been doing. You know, we did this very individual time trial series, which we've talked about a little bit. Uh, we had another episode or, or event uh, for that scheduled yesterday, uh, Thursday on Strava. And I did not join in. I just had a little too much. It was time trial, full on gear, everything. Uh, I just decided not to do it. Uh, rested and then went and got a big plate of nachos instead, which haven't, um, I think I would have rather suffered for 20 some minutes in the time trial, but it's what it is. And they're going to uh, keep doing them here in Sacramento. Uh, maybe you guys are doing those in your area. Um, it's been a big help for me, at least uh, getting me through some of this, the downtime and uh, doing that. Uh, what was interesting yesterday was with that, um, the guys were having trouble loading their, their rides up to uh, Strava. Evidently, you use Garmin Connect, you have your, your Garmin, and it feeds into Garmin Connect, and then that spits the ride out to Strava, wherever else you have. Uh, Garmin Connect was down. There's a maintenance issue, um, and then the question is, was that hacked? Well, evidently, uh, there's been reports out there that perhaps uh, Garmin got one of these malware um, Russian hack. I don't know if it's Russian. Thirsty Bear, and one of the, uh, the, the, the bears one that they have, um, they got hacked and um, ransomware, that's what it is. And basically they're looking for someone to pay them off in uh, Bitcoin, um, Ethereum, Dash, Bitcoin Cash. I don't know, those are all possible options out there. Uh, and then they'll release their data. And I think uh, as of today, uh, Friday, 1.30 or so on the 24th of, uh, of July, I think they are still down. So we are not seeing any kind of uh, resolution from that uh, so with that said, you might want to, if you're, whatever your password is there with uh, Garmin connect, if it's, you use that same one, other places, you might want to go and make that change, uh, to other places so that they don't have, um, they don't have the ability to hack your other, other stuff. Uh, with that said, are you concerned about your data, your heart rate data, your writing data? Maybe they're going to submit it to health IQ and get you, uh, doxxed or something for lying there. 
if you're doing that. Um, with that said, um, hope they come back. Uh, that sounds like a pretty, ha pretty big hassle, and I hope no one's really getting hacked on this stuff right now. Um, let's talk about Nairo. So <clears throat> the 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 cyclists are coming back. Uh, Nairo Quintana is said to resume. He's going to be do resume uh, racing at the uh, Mont Ventoux. They have this race in France. Goes at Mont Ventoux. It's a really well known. Uh, event as far as a stage goes it's been uh, featured in the tour uh well last year they had a one-day race just going up there and uh, i think it was i'll look at it here but um jesus montoya maybe let's see who the winner was uh you had uh la mondial jesus harada how could i forget that he was one of the harada brothers um we talked about those two guys earlier in the year when in the vuelta when the uh, one of the brothers uh i don't think it was jesus um he got in the break and screwed it up royally. And the next day, I think, or a few days later, uh, Jesus got in there and he he showed him how to do it right. Um, he beat last year um, Frenchman Roman Bardet and uh, up to the top there. Well, this year they're doing it just a little bit different. They're going to go up, I think, to the chalet and then have some sort of loop around. And then they're going to come up and do it again. So it's 182 kilometers, two times up that evidently, or two times up to the midsection and then the full way. And a bunch of bigger riders, Richie Porta is looking to show up. Um, you've got Bardet, probably Harada. Um, and with kind of the compact racing going on and not real big things leading up to it, last year, you know, when you, it's kind of a lead up to the tour, this, this race particularly, you didn't get much great participation. You had Roman Bardet who was in there, but he obviously got beat by Harada. And uh, you'd expect uh, Bardet to, to kind of clean the clock on that one. But, you know, his schedule and ramp is a little bit different. Well, everyone's more compact now they're trying to get their preparation just correct and they don't have the options of getting it just correct actually they're just trying to cram it in so they're probably going to see a little bit better participation for this particular uh, race which is kind of cool so that's going to be i think it's um august 6 mont Ventoux. it's the Ventoux deneville challenge a climbers one day race that has caught the attention of the fans yeah, it was. Um, it's pretty cool. Well, why am I talking about this? Well, one, that's kind of a cool thing. But uh, Nairo Quintana said he's going to make his, his comeback to that. Well, earlier in the year, they had a three-day race, three, four-day race, um, Tour La Provence, I think it was. And they they scaled uh, Mont Ventoux up to the uh, this the same, once again, to the section um, up to the Chalet, which, remember, that's where they finished a few years ago by accident. Well, by, by having to force to um, when... Chris Froome uh, got off his bike because he, he and Richie Port went down, hitting the back of the motorbike, uh, and they ended up that day. They only got up to the the chalet because there was too high a wind, so they had packed everyone down, probably putting you know too many people onto a lower section of slope, and um, that's that was the result of that day. Uh, having to have him run, but that's kind of the same thing with La Provence. Finished up to that same section once again. We're going there, then we're going around, then we're going to the top again. Uh, pretty exciting, you know. A few years ago, I think it was 80s or 90s. Um, there's a guy named Eros Poli, and it was when, when Indurain was winning, so probably like 93 or so, 94, somewhere in that range. Um, instead of going all the way to the top, they go almost to the top, and then they pitch off, and there was a, a it's very close to the to the summit. There's a road that goes to the backside, and I think they've actually climbed it up from the backside once before in a different race. Uh, but anyway, this one they went off to the side, and Eros Poli, he's this big, I think he was the tallest guy in the tour at the time. And he ended up going over. He had like a 20-some minute lead uh, going into the bottom of the climb, like 25, 28 minutes. 
and he held over the top by two or three minutes, <laughs> two or three minutes, and uh, ended up going down the other side and uh, getting the, the stage win because it was a descent down to the finish. So he got a win um, just by a couple of minutes over Indrain, and Indrain was a. Uh, I was kind of hoping that he was having trouble descending because I was tired of him winning, but he did. He did just fine. Anyway, Montvon two, big one coming up. One of the first ones you have in the year, and it will be uh, fairly exciting for that. Um, I'm gonna look here at the, uh, the schedule <clears throat> for, well, we have Strada Bianca coming up, but the schedule for the world tour itself, Strada Bianca, uh, the tour to Poland, Milan San Remo, the next week after Strada, Il Lombardia the week after that. So, you know, and then national championships, uh, tour to France coming in on the first part of September. My friend, Jonathan, who lives over in Nice, which is where the first three stages are gonna start. Uh, I talked to him the other day, he was back over there getting uh, Closing up shop, I guess, to say. And he's actually coming back mid-August, uh, so he will miss the tour at that point. Kind of a, a bummer for him, but um, it's kind of what it is. So anyway, we got a bunch of races. Strada Bianca is coming up. Uh, I, I'm pretty excited about Strada Bianca. Um, it'll be interesting to see what it's like this time of the year because um, the, the weather could always play a part uh, previously, but this time would not. So it's 184 kilometers a uh, bunch of spiky things in there. And remember the last bit of climbing is the, kind of the, the section they come into town. Um, it's got a bunch of little cobbles and some pitching going up there and um, made for a good video of Wat Van Aert a few years ago. Remember last year, the defending champ is Julian Alaphilippe. Full song was second. Wat Van Aert, Zenix Dibar, and Tish Benut in fifth place. But then you go back to uh, 2018 and that was a little bit different of a winner. That was Tish Benu over Roman Bardet, Wout Vanner, and Alejandro Valverde, and Giovanna Visconti. So the three in that year was Tish, Roman, Bardet, and Wout. And they came into the finish. Wout was just kind of hanging out. It was a great smattering of guys here. You got your cross, kind of a bigger Wout guy. You've got Tish Benu, which could do climbing, yet he can do, uh, he's a good classics writer. And then you just had the pure climber, Roman Bardet. What an amazing mix of writers in that day. Uh, but you had them, the Roman Bardet and Tish Benut coming into the last and, and Wout Van Aert was trying to catch on to them and he falls down on his bike. It's wet. He's having trouble and he stands up. He's having, he just keeps falling down and having trouble. Uh, but anyway, uh, that's what we got here for Strada Bianca. Uh, that starts, let's go back to what date. I think that's August 1st, right? So we have a week from Saturday. And so far, so far it's on. We're going to talk as if these races are going to be going ahead uh, with the hopes that they do actually go ahead. Uh, if they don't, well, we'll talk about them at the time that they, they didn't and lament the fact that uh, they got canceled. Our riding here in the States is pretty much being canceled left, right, and center. Um, you know, I don't know. Things are getting a little worse, getting more higher infection rate going around with COVID. COVID's everything, right? Can't have school. Um, the governor's dictating what a meal is now here in California. Um, probably doing that in your state as well. So they closed down bars because, hey, you get together, you're whatever, and it's a bar. Um, but then there's restaurants that also have a bar section. You see that often, and you go in there, you have happy hour, you eat, you drink. Well, they decided that was, well, every all eating is outside now. So that's not even an issue here. So you go outside to eat. But since they're closing, <laughs> since they're closing down bars, they decided that they can't have drinking um, just alone. So... Okay, well, then you have to serve food with it. Well, then some places are like, okay, well, we'll, we'll give you some you know, nine fries or a couple of grapes and a few other things. And they decided that wasn't the case. So the alcohol beverage actually came out with an edict indicating what a meal is. 
I, I know I've gone on these rants before, but they are dictating what a meal. You're sitting outside already. The fact is you can't have, you can have a soda. Maybe you can't even have a soda. You have to have food. Somehow the food inoculates you. These are, I, I'm not saying that there's not some good reasons for doing these, some of these laws and obviously, you know, whatever. Um, but when you go down the micromanaging of dictating what a meal is and you're going to close down a place because it's not, you might want to think about that one. All right. Something else to think about. Greg Lamond. <clears throat> Greg Lamond uh, making a comeback, so they say. And uh, there was an article just recently out in Vela News. And actually, quite a few different places uh, talked about it. And um, where it looks like his company got a big influx of money. So it looks like Lamont Cycles is going to try to make a comeback. Securities and Exchange Commission filing shows that Lamont Bicycles LLC sold securities worth $2,029,178 on July 1st. So if you didn't know, Greg Lamont back in the day was quite the innovator for bikes. And he was always doing something. He was a guy that kind of brought to the fore. He was willing to. This, this, you may not remember this, but you know, the Oakley, Oakley factory pilots were kind of a big deal. He was kind of one of those guys that did that. Uh, he was always, you know, first of all, when he came in wearing sunglasses was kind of taboo. He started to do that. Uh, then you even have, he was one of the first ones, if you read Jonathan Botter's book and some of these others, but you may know this as well, that Greg Lamont was a big part of kind of innovating the uh, SRM power meter. Uh, he was doing that as well. He was very involved in that. Carbon bikes, he was big into doing those kind of things. Obviously, the aero bars, um, everything. He was just, he was always kind of an innovator as far as willing to try something new. And I don't know that he necessarily tried anything horrendous. Uh, but anyway, when he was done, he had a, a bike company. And he saw this a lot of, you know, Eddie Merckx was doing that, Fondriest, uh, Cipollini. I mean, a person goes through it. They're decent cyclists. They're going to put their name to a bike. And sometimes it's crappy. Sometimes it's Fondrius bikes, as an example. I had a friend who had one of those Maurizio Fondrius bikes. It's horrible. You could only, if you only had anything over a 21 uh, tire on the back, it would rub the down tube. Uh, on the, it, was, it was really bad. Um, anyway, the, um, Brain, uh, this is a uh, bicycle uh, retailer news in industry, reports that the three-time Tour de France winner's bike brand, Le Mans Bicycles LLC, has recently raised over $2 million in private placement investment. The finance company could bring the company closer to launching the bike line, utilizing technologies developed the 59-year-old other project, Le Mans Carbon. So he has a big deal with uh, that. Like as I said, they sold securities. Uh, there's little information. Uh, they're trying to do this. I've seen, I follow them on Facebook, and I had seen recently where they, they were posting kind of pictures of frames and doing some other things, and you're like, oh, maybe uh, maybe they're kind of, what are they doing? That's what I, that's really what I was saying. But uh, evidently, they what they are doing is trying to get their bike business back up and running. And good for Greg Lamond. I don't know. Is this the, maybe, maybe he missed the move because everyone was buying bikes during COVID. Is the market going to continue to go up from there? Well, we'll see. You know, once again, this goes back to he had a bike business. Uh, bikes were pretty cool. Then they were bought out by Trek, and they were doing them out there in I think Waterloo. They were you know very much the his bike looked very much like the old CLV, the 52, 5500, 5800, whatever they were, uh, carbon bikes uh, developed by Trek. And then Lance Armstrong comes into the Postal Service deal with Trek, and he starts becoming the big deal. And then he and Greg Lamont have a fallout when Greg Lamont, you know, there's a conversation about that where. Uh, he was calling Greg and they were having problems and so kind of sh shooting each other in the public and Greg rumor has it um, didn't like what uh, Lance was doing and uh, thought he was maybe dirty or something and Lance decided to do a scorched earth as he does 
as he's wont to do. And he um, basically screwed over the whole company uh, for Greg LeMond um, with Trek. Now, there was also issues back in the day, and this is just all things I'm calling up from memory, so if I'm wrong, please feel free to correct me. Um, back in the day where Greg LeMond's dad was partly in charge of the company and Greg would suit him to get him removed because there was mismanagement. You know, Greg's still racing or still doing other things and you kind of leave the management to family or some other business partner. You've seen this all the time. I mean, when I grew up, I remember hearing about uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and his manager just siphoning off all his money. You know, it, it happens. Uh, well, evidently the dad was doing it. You see this with the young stars often and before they emancipate themselves. So um, Greg LeMond just had trouble with his dad, uh, Bob LeMond, uh, dealing with the business. I think there was lawsuits on there. There was obviously some issues with uh, Lance Armstrong, Trek, and issues there. Uh, Greg LeMond, still trying to make a comeback. Maybe it'll be relevant. And um, cool-looking bikes. He's always, he's always kind of had an eye for some of the, the cool-looking bikes. Um, you know, road bikes are now the sloping top tube. We'll see if he uh, kind of still develops into that and uh, where that process goes. Okay, we had mentioned before... Um, drugs so um there is there's some issues with uh, drug taking in the u.s and cycling and some other places um i got this story it was fairly interesting uh, as about a master's runner <clears throat> this was given to me from um jason griffath and masters u.s track athlete kevin masters Track that, I think is what it is. Track and field athlete Kevin Castile accepts sanction for his anti-doping. And I'm doing this in relation to the next story I want to get at. Um, he's 48, 48 years old. What are you doing with this stuff, dude? Tested positive for 19 nandestrosterone, the main urinary metabolic nandrolone, 19 field, uh, and other 19 norsteroids. As a result of an in-competition drug test conducted at the USA Track and Field Masters 10K Championships in April of 2019, which he finished first place. Evidently, this guy kind of rose to the prominence, and people were like, hey, he seems a little suspect. Um, he was a little too fast too soon. And so there was a few stories about how, how he came out. Remember, we talked about, I don't know if he'll get to say that he was actually clean due to um, somehow the substances got in. He was sleeping with a dirty... <laughs> Someone who was taking things. Um, he contested his case through the appellate arbitration process until he elected to sign an acceptance of sanction form three days before the arbitration hearing in this case was to begin. Castillo uh, accepted a four-year period of ineligibility that began in April 2019, the date his positive sample was collected. So he's already a year in. Good job. In addition, Castillo has been disqualified from all competition results obtained and the subsequent date, uh, including his first place at the USA Track Masters, 10K, and forfeit any medals, points, and prizes. I'm sure those prizes are the, are the heavy part. That's the, that's the tough one to give up when you do Masters stuff. Um, anyway, four-year ban, uh, not much there. Uh, but then, then this, this is a, maybe a little bit more of a disturbing story, and I will share this on the screen here. Um, several members of Linus Rumsus X team handed 30 year doping bans. Okay. Son of uh, ex pro uh, Ramondos died of a heart attack in 2017, just age 21. So this is a kid. Um, he is from, I think he's from Croatia and he died um, of a heart attack in 2017, as I said here. And um, basically, he was on a young team. He was doing some doping and he ended up dying. And now they've looked into the team, and with that, a bunch of people have been given 
some 30-year bands. And we just talked about four-year bands. So I don't know why they didn't just say um, lifetime bands. Um, I guess there's always that redemption thing. But um, the Italian doping uh, and nada in Italia handed down the bands to the team owner, Luca Francesca and director sportif Elso Frediani. The pair were sanctioned for a range of offenses, including tampering or attempted tampering with doping controls, illegal trafficking of prohibited substances, administration to the athletes and prohibited substance complicity. A 30-year ban was handed down to Fredini's parents, Narciso Fredini and Maria Luisa Luciano, Luciani, whose home was uh, used for the doping treatments. I love this part. This is a, the best description I've heard of, of anybody. Writer and pharmacist Andrea Bianchi was banned for seven years for supplying products without a prescription, while writers Matteo Alban, Nico, and Yuri Kalana received four-year bans. So the writers only got four-year bans, and those that were helping with it um, were hit up with uh, a much more strict um, ban, obviously, and some sanctions. They threw in some, some financial things. The person's a writer and a pharmacist. That's, that's impressive. Uh, a lot of time for both. Um, time of the initial investigation launched after the death of Rumsis, police in Lucas said that they had uncovered a real partnership aimed at facilitating doping practices. You know, so look, this is, oh, and this is interesting too. Three months after Rumsis' death, his older brother, brother Raimondus Rumsis Jr., tested positive for growth hormone releasing peptide GHRP6 in an out-of-competition test. He was later banned from competition for four years. Uh, let's talk about the Rumsis family, though. Um, Raimondo Rumsis won, or he was on the podium uh, in the 2002 Tour de France, and he got third that year. And to Greg, uh, Lance Armstrong was uh, first place, obviously. Um, what was interesting, <laughs> what's interesting is, uh, we'll read here this part. Um, his wife, Adita, I guess, was discovered with a haul of doping products, including EPO, corticosteroids, testosterone, and growth hormone in her car on the final day of the 2002 Tour. She was held in a jail for over two months, before being released. And in 2006, she and Ramondas were handed suspensions, four-month prison sentences, and fines for their offenses. Uh, there's a lot more you can go into there. Basically, um, he then came back another year. Yeah, he got he had another doping positive. And, you know, some some countries, we've talked about this, it's a criminal offense uh, to dope. So she had some issues crossing borders, having those products. <sighs> there's a That's a victimless crime. I don't know why you put him in jail. But either way... Um, well, someone says, hey, I'm not a, I'm a victim if I'm uh, racing against you. But let's just for, for legit reasons, let's just say I think it's a victim's crime. Um, but it's an interesting family. Dad does a tour. He's actually got a Lithuania. Was that what it is? Where, where are these people from? Um, he'd actually got a fairly decent, uh, decent career uh, riding. He had won some decent races. Um, he had also been, <clears throat> like I said, he was uh, third in the Tour de France. And then a few years later, he was uh, sixth place in the Giro and got popped right after that. Uh, but so he had these offenses. He's like six, three, he would, add a, you didn't expect him to be this kind of rider. And he just kind of snuck his way into, uh, kind of the moves and hung on with the, the, the lead guys. Next thing you know, he's, he's doing fairly well. Well, obviously he had some, uh, doping help to get that way. Um, he, <laughs> it's a crazy situation because he, he's a doper himself. He gets, his wife gets put in jail. He spent time in jail. He then dopes, but then it gets passed on to his kids. I mean, there's no kind of like uh, come to Jesus moment and saying like, uh, maybe this wasn't the right thing to do, especially in the, the atmosphere we are now. In fact, both of his sons enter cycling and they both get not only pop, but one one dies. 
Uh, pretty sad situation. But, um, you know, the, the the thing for this, I guess you're saying is, you know, people, uh, the 30-year offense, well, you know, the writers themselves give them four. Uh, I get it. Uh, they, they have agency. They still make decisions. You still give them a four-year suspension at their ages that may or may not, uh, they're still may be able to come back. Uh, maybe, hey, dude, just do something else with your life. Stop, stop screwing around and trying to uh, take drugs. Um, but it also gives them the chance to come back in four years. Uh, the problem is you're going to have that label on you in four years. You're not like the good old days. Uh, but the real issue is these adults, right, taking these juniors, and it talked about them basically facilitating and, and uh, bringing up these younger kids and um, super talented, but immediately trying to do things with them where they thought it was normal to be treated this way and to be taking drugs so that you just destigmatize it and you do it from a younger age so that it's not a problem. Basically grooming, I guess you'd call that and uh, pretty pathetic. And, but that's, that's kind of the thing that we're going on. So uh, Rumsis, a real interesting name in the world of cycling and probably not one that we should uh, emulate. Uh, so the Tour de France is coming up. I thought I'd just go over a few little milestones of what's going on and uh, give you some some little bit of context as to what happened. And we'll start, we're going to do this kind of as the tour's getting closer and closer. We'll do some increments, the five-year, the 10-year, 25, and maybe 30 and 50. Uh, five years ago was 2015. And as you I can imagine, um, you probably know who won that year. It was uh, our one and only Chris Froome who we'll see if he'll be able to do anything in this year's tour. But uh, Chris Froome wins a tour, Nairo Quintana in second. So, you know, this is when Nairo, it'd be interesting. What, what if you got, let's look at this group. Froome first, Nairo Quintana second, Valverde third, five minutes, 25 back. I mean, Nairo was only off the podium by 112. Uh, Vincenzo Nibali at 836. Contador, Contador was still racing. 948, Hessink, Malama. Matthias Frank, Roman Bardet, Pierre Roland, and down there in 11th place, the now retired Andrew Talansky of Cannondale team. Uh, 22 minutes back, so <laughs> it wasn't all that great. Uh, points competition was uh, Sagan, KOM had, was uh, Froome, Nairo with the young rider's jersey, and the overall GC was, once again, Chris Froome. Um, the defending champ that year was Nibali, and uh, Valverde also got on the podium, as we say. Uh, I was trying to remember what some of the dramatic points of that tour was. Uh, maybe we'll have to just go over those at a later date. 2015, trying to remember. Um, we'll, we'll come back to that. Maybe we'll look some things up, see what happened in 2015. We could look at some of the winning. Maybe this will help us. Rowan Dennis. Rowan Dennis gets the, the initial win. Um, Greipel. Oh, yeah, so Greipel. You had Greipel, a uh, bunch of other sprinters coming here. Steve Cummings, th that's right. So it was stage 14 up to Mende. That's the up to where they they um, kind of a, out in the, I don't know what the area of, of, but it's kind of the transitional stages of the tour between the two big mountain ranges. And uh, it's it's a, a airport on the, like an old, military airport on the top of this climb that come through this city and it's maybe like a five it's not a long climb it's like 5k but it's pretty brutal and you saw some guys get destroyed there and this was one where steve cummings uh was in a break and i think he gets caught by the the guys attacking he ends up hanging with him and he ends up winning um steve cummings uh, english guy just kind of hung on the back he was with uh Quebec, uh and it was the i think right around nelson mandela day it was pretty interesting that it was all kind of tied together that team's from africa da 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 da, -da. And there you have it. So that's kind of the big, big uh, event of the day week uh, of the of the race. Nibali won a stage. Bardet wins a stage. Geshki wins a stage. 
Greg Van Avermaet, uh, I think Joaquin uh, Rodriguez, Joaquin, um, he won two stages, I believe Cavendish gets one in there. Um, Chris Froome, Chris Froome wins the overall Tour de France in 2015. Next week, we'll talk about the 2010 Tour de France. So get your info and your questions going for there. And by the way, if you're tuning in live, which doesn't look like very many people have any are, uh, but if you do, give me your questions, comments, and uh, we'll talk about any of those. We'll post them right up on the, on the line. Um, how about, how about some things to make you go, hmm? Well, uh, I thought this was pretty uh, interesting this last week. I saw a little weird article about a guy in Florida. He's on a bike. Anything with bikes, I'll talk about with bikes, right? So this guy in Florida, he ends up, um, Florida bicyclist, 62, injured in collision with, igu- <laughs> with an iguana. I'm like, whoa, what's happening? Bicyclist was taken to the hospital where he required stitches to his head. Uh, very interesting. Now, the question you have, and there's actually pictures of it here, is what happened with the, oh, no, no, see it on this one. Uh, maybe they took it down from the article since I posted it up before. Pictures, what happened with the iguana? Um, iguana died. They had pictures of it stuck in the, in the rider's um, forks, jammed in there. Uh, it, it actually looked like Kermit the Frog because it's so nice and green, stuck in his, his bike. Um, pretty traffic enforcement officer responded to the scene in front of Crane Point Hammock at 10.45 local time when he found the cyclist with scrapes, cuts on his head and arms and legs. Man was transported. Thank God he was okay. Here we go. So we get a little picture here of uh, you can at least see it on the the screen. Um, looks like Kermit the <laughs> swear to God it looks like Kermit the Frog in the bike getting crushed. Um, talks about iguanas, all these things. This isn't something that we normally see. And where is the part about I've seen in the photos? The stomach of the iguana was strained. The condition. This is the, this is the quote. This is the money shot. Uh, the condition of the iguana did not appear as stable, officials wrote, later confirming that the iguana had died. Yeah, it, uh, that's what happens when you get hit, uh, run over by a bike, I guess. Um, saw another thing that this week that was a little bit interesting. Um, Velo News is evidently, Chris just told this to me, and I, I haven't been able to confirm it, but it, we'll just we'll just go with it in the rumor and that, that it's true, um, that... The Velo News is going to be charging now a, a yearly subscription to get their additional content, uh, about $100 for the year. That's, what, 12 bucks or so? What is that? What's 10 to 8 bucks or so a month? And so eh, is, that, is that something worth it? You know, Cycling Tips has a thing where you go in there and you go, oh, you want to read this? You just have to join our club. Uh, we're not even charging it for you. You just have to join our club. And I'm like, eh, it's not even enough for me to, to be, you know, and I do pay for services. I pay for some podcasts. Um, some other things I'll, you know, news sites, certain ones I'll pay for. Um, not interested in Velo News. They don't do a lot of news in the first place. It's always a little bit less, but maybe you're going to get a little more, you know, for every person pay for, I, I suggest if you think this is a valid uh, thing to do, pay for it. I mean, I pay for, um, probably, you know, as much, if not more for Strava, uh, some of these other, uh, items. So why not? If that's something that you're interested in, uh, do it, um, me personally, I'm not too convicted on um, that. That's something I want to uh, necessarily pay for, but um, it's it's what it is. All right, so racing coming up here in racing coming up here in the states. Uh, basically, nothing. They just had the virtual Tour de France. It's pretty much done and over. Like I said, we have Strada Bianca coming up on the first. Um, I'm once again uh, looking forward to that because we're looking for any kind of 
any kind of info and, and racing to do. Um, on the local level, some group rides are back. I know maybe that's controversial. I don't know. There's there's a lot of there's a lot of groups, not necessarily rides. There's a lot of groups going up there in Seattle, uh, Portland. I mean, right now they're they're congregating around all kinds of stuff. There's groups everywhere else. Um, I figure if they can do it, maybe I can do it. Uh, I'm staying healthy. I think that's maybe something people and, and you know you probably get shit for this again. I think one of the best things you can do for yourself is and no one's really talking about it. Yeah, sure. Wear a mask when you're in groups. Social distance. All those good things. Uh, but maybe also work on your own personal health, eat well, get plenty of sleep, get some vitamin D, get some vitamin C and see what you can do for your own health. So that if there is something, it's just like with any other kind of problem, right? That uh, you're as healthy as possible. So that you don't have to necessarily have a, a problem. I don't see any um, teams listed here as to who is going for the uh, Strada Bianca. Uh, there was an announcement that you had for, uh, I believe, Jumbo Visma for their team. Um, I don't see it right now, but I think uh, Sepp Kuss made it. And then you've got you know, your Koizwick, you have Roglic, you also have uh, Tom Dumoulin. What's going to be the, what's going to be that dynamic? I'm very, very interested in how that works. Um, next year, obviously, Froome is leaving Ineos and going to Israel Startup Nation. We'll be interested to see what team, what how that team does. And if they, if they get anybody, uh, kind of along in there uh, to help him out. You know, they have Dan Martin, but uh, I'm sure they're you're going to be spending some money. But then you have Ineos this year, as we mentioned before, Bernal, he said, hey, if, if things work out and I need to work for Froome, I'm good with it. Are you really? Um, you've also got uh, you know, uh, Thomas and then you have Froome. So it'll be interesting to have those two teams with those two guys, uh, those two 300 monsters basically going at it <clears throat> and how that plays into the other guys. Because I, I don't necessarily think that... Um, you know, you've had the last few years, Bernal and Thomas were able to kind of hit the top. You've had Kreuzwick and Roglic up there. Um, but when you're just three, how's that going to work? I don't know. Um, you've also got uh, Nibali. Uh, I don't know how. It, the tour is wide open. We'll have to see how it comes out with some of these early stage uh, races. Uh, like I mentioned, the Mont Ventoux, which will kind of give a, an indication of, of where people are at and uh, what they're looking for. My my big outlier, which may be the, the biggest upset, um, and I only say upset because no one's necessarily talking about him. But as soon as you mention his name, everyone goes, oh, yeah, of course, which is uh, Tajik uh, Pogacar. And that kid is amazing. Um, you know, you look at what he did in the Vuelta last year, coming up stage uh, last you know, three weeks of the tour. And he was able to move himself into second place and distance himself from those other guys. And just he and Roglic were head and shoulders kind of above the rest. And you see that happening, him getting better and better and better in a three-week tour. That says a few things. One, um, are you a writer and a pharmacist? And two, um, maybe you have the ability to do a three-week race. So uh, good for you. Um, that's pretty good. Okay, so some of those guys are going back to Florida. Um, we had Sean Bagley. We also had um, Mark Tucker. I think they're going to head back to... Um, to Georgia to do some racing in a little while. So we'll hopefully see how that goes. There's uh, Sean Bagley had posted something out online about uh, racing in St. Louis. I, I think he's just going anywhere there's a bike race, anywhere he can. And uh, good luck for him. And um, uh, hey, all the best. Well, anyway, happy Friday, everyone. Hope you get this out there. Enjoy the weather. Uh, do some decent riding and, um, you know, be safe. And why don't you let us know? What you think of what you think of the show, and what you think about for your upcoming um, 
questions and uh, the upcoming races you have going on. And hopefully we'll be able to uh, let's talk about it. Take care, everybody. Hmm. <laughs>